welcome back to the Movie Bubble Podcast. This week, you've got myself, Colin, and I'm joined by Nick and Brennan as we break down a lot. <laughs> There's not a lot going on at the box office, so it's a little bit of an unusual podcast, and we'll probably kind of be in this format for a little while longer. Uh, but yeah, there's not really anything going on at the box office. The major movie chains in the States have uh, closed their doors for the time being. Um, and there's there's not much of a box office. A lot of the movies that were in release are moving to streaming. We saw that with Onward, uh, with The Hunt and The Invisible Man this week. And I'm sure we'll see it with some more movies coming out uh, that aren't getting pulled. I think we'll see a lot of those smaller releases end up on Netflix and other similar services. So, yeah not a whole lot going on yeah it's it's it really sucks because even like box office mojo is like yeah we don't have data like we're sorry guys like we'll get it whenever <laughs> it's it's really a bummer like even see like like the latest info they have is for thursday and it's like onward led in the u.s with thirty-three thousand, which is just like that's like less than one theater like in like a really popular area it's just it's really sad and we're yeah like every every movie's getting pulled now i'm pretty sure april is almost gone completely so it's going to be like this for a really really long time yeah i think the the the, the most shocking thing to look at is going on to the the, the most recent data we have which is thursday wednesday uh, tuesday just kind of this past week there and looking at the per theater average um onwards per theater average was seven dollars um Invisible Man, $5. The Wayback at a per theater average of $2. Like these are just uh, shocking, shocking numbers. And I think that probably is because of a lot of the, th- because a lot of the theaters closed their doors, but it didn't fully register potentially. So it didn't bring the theater countdown, but we still see that the theater averages are $2, $3, $4 for a lot of these films. And even looking at, this is the crazy thing, looking at um, this exact day last week, Onward had a 98% drop. All these movies here, 98, 97, 99, it's just a crazy thing to see at the box office. And I do hope that we get these weekend numbers um, because I just want to see how low the numbers are. I think it'd be really uh, eerie to see. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Um, and it's just, it's a very weird, unprecedented time as there's there's nothing going on. Like, it is, it's not just the movie theaters, but most of the world is just kind of been put on pause for the time being and we're still trying to figure out what that looks like. Yeah. It's scary but, time. It's, I think we're kind of, we're all figuring this out day by day. It's, it's, it's very, very strange. So since we can't really talk about the box office, we'll talk about the closest we can get to the box office. Uh, so we'll, Today, we're going to talk about Netflix. We'll talk about the top 10 movies that have been streaming on Netflix this past week. A few of them probably won't surprise you due to what's going on with the coronavirus. Uh, We'll talk about the Razzies a little bit, and then we'll do some recommendations and talk about some movies that we're diving into because the the one nice thing about uh, everyone being in quarantine for who knows how long is that there's plenty of time to watch movies. So taking advantage of that. Um, but it, as for Netflix, so the top 10 movies on Netflix this week were The Spencer Confidential in the number one spot, 2012 in the number two spot, Outbreak at number three, Aftermath number four, Lost Girls number five, The Platform at number six, The Assignment number seven, Angry Birds movie two, number eight, number nine was Space Jam, and number 10 was 3022. 
So Spencer being the top one doesn't really surprise me a ton just because that is their newest release. And since people can't really go to the box office, uh, it's easy to stay in and chill out with a movie that even though I haven't really heard many positives about it, is at least new and there. Do you, do you guys believe the Netflix top 10 at this point? <laughs> I feel like I'm getting more skeptical week by week because all of it's like, oh, new Netflix movie, another Netflix movie. Um, this like even the platform, which is it's just like a like a Spanish thriller. It's like I don't, I can't really see like a random person in like Middle America being like, all right, let's throw this on. Like I don't know, it just seems so weird. And like the assignment, like I don't even know what that movie is. <laughs> I think Michelle Rodriguez is in that movie. Like why is that in the top ten? Like I, I even like what the what like what the fuck is thirty twenty two? Like <laughs> I'm so confused by all of this. I don't understand. I think that I personally do believe the uh, top 10 just because I think with, with Netflix, they push their original movies to the front of the uh, uh, kind of the interface all the time. Like that's true. When you, yeah. When you log in, like it's the first thing you'll see They have the banners for all the Netflix original stuff. So I have a feeling um, just because that's kind of what's being pushed out to the front more and you might have to search more for some of these other things. I, I, I do have faith in, in their top 10. The one in Canada is a little different. Spencer Confidential's holding on at number two, but same as last week, Contagion's up there at the top. Uh, sorry, last week it was three, but now it's at number one and it's kind of just sticking there here in Canada. I know it's not on the uh, Netflix uh, in the US right now, but yeah, I, I do think it's just because they throw their original content at kind of the front of their uh, interface and and a lot of the times the little n it's kind of i don't know why but it seems like I've, I've talked to a few different people that they see the little n and they they're not drawn to it more but they they uh i don't know it's just something about it that people seem to click on it yeah and i feel like there's at least a, at least in you know friends that i'll talk to that have seen movies like the spencer confidential um there's just some curiosity there because i mean you you do have like you said, Brennan, you do have a little bit more validation, I guess, because it is a Netflix movie and you're obviously on the Netflix service. Um, but it's also just kind of mindless and something to watch. You know, I don't I don't think these movies are being watched by people that are actually watching the movie. I think it's more just, oh, I'm going to throw this on in the background while I do laundry or cook dinner or whatever. Yeah, it's really true. I guess there, there are a lot of this does make sense because you have stuff like Space Jam and um, Angry Birds too, which I think has been on there for a couple weeks now. But um, like those make sense because you're like, oh, kids in the room, what throw those on? Um, I guess I'm really just fascinated by like things like uh, like Aftermath and like the assignment in 3022, which I've actually just never heard of until just now. Um, it's just I find that really strange when we like, yeah, I agree that like Netflix really pushes their original stuff. And that's why Spencer Confidential is so big right now. But it's it's just so strange when you see like these little things pop up there. And I feel like there's a couple of those every single week where I don't know if Brendan, you remember when we were talking about this at the beginning, uh, when we started monitoring this, it was like that movie, that little science fiction movie Freaks was on like the top 10. Uh, like it just like, it feels like there's just like these really strange, bizarre choices that people seem to glom onto for whatever reason. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to look at. And you, you said uh, 2012 is uh, number two there in the US right now? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of neat because you're seeing a lot of these kind of uh, post-apocalyptic or kind of uh, virus-oriented with outbreak movies kind of 
um, trending upwards right now. And I think that's, it's, it's interesting. People kind of want to, they want to not fantasize, but they want to sort of embellish the situation a little bit and kind of really watch what uh, <laughs> total destruction could be, I guess. <laughs> so I guess yeah. out of any of these, uh, which is for you guys, which is the one you're most likely to watch out of this top 10? Uh, probably Lost Girls. So I almost went to see that. At, I'm going to, you know, be that guy that pulls out Sundance, but I almost went to see that at Sundance. And uh, like it, it looked intriguing enough that I'd be like, yeah, I'd watch that if I was on it was on Netflix, but not enough that I was like, yes, this is my priority tonight. So maybe that one. I mean, I've seen Outbreak before and I know I like it, so it could be one of those. Honestly, I would I would be helping out this list a little because I'd either pick Outbreak or 2012. I don't know. Back when I was a kid, I, I just love I just love seeing the uh, just that crumbling world and the massive tsunamis and earthquakes it's pretty epic <laughs> the special effects bonanza that is uh 2012 so i i would probably pick that or uh or outbreak because i I've, I've never seen it and i think it'd be a interesting watch yeah See, i've never seen I it have, either i have a very bad memory of 2012 um so when that movie <laughs> came out i think it was around like thanksgiving time uh whatever it was we went to go see my aunt and uncle and uh cousin and so we got like we got there and we got like lunch at arby's on the way there and we we're gonna go see 2012 that afternoon i don't know why that was our first day thing to go do but all the guys were gonna go see 2012 and so like we got ready to leave for it and i was like dan i'm not feeling good i don't think i should go and he was like no we're going to the movies like you need to come with us we can't just leave you here because my aunt and uncle live like in the middle of nowhere and uh so i was like i really don't feel good and so like eventually they were like no you're going so we get in the car we're like 20 minutes out and i just lose my lunch all over my uncle's brand new truck <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and that is my memory of 2012 <laughs> so i mean the the, the catchphrase of the film is we were warned so i think that that sits well with your story right there too <laughs> um, I tried to honestly them, but they wouldn't listen that that uh uh, I'll be honest here. That's one of my guilty pleasure movies. I just, I don't know. Like there's some movies out there, you, you know, they're not great, but you just love to see uh, just the special effects, uh, absolute fiasco. And I love seeing a crazy conspiracy theorist at uh, Woody Harrelson living uh, at, at Yellowknife. Uh, I think it is. Or uh, what's it called again? The, uh, the volcano. Yep. Uh, Yellowstone. Like Yellowstone? Yellowstone? Yeah, Yellowstone. Yeah. Yellowstone. <laughs> yeah. Yellowstone. Uh, uh, do you guys remember his character at all? Like, did, or, or did you ever see a Colin? Did you ever end up seeing? It? I've, I did go again like two days later. Um, okay. After I was feeling better, and I like, I have vague memories. Like they're on giant boats <laughs> at some point, right? Yep, yep. And like, I'm pretty sure John Cusack, like, doesn't save his actual wife, and then gets with his ex-wife, or maybe she doesn't save the new husband. I don't know. I remember like, flashes of it, but not much. Uh, I just, I just will always remember Woody Harrelson as this conspiracy theorist with long hair, long beard, just screaming crazy shit. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't John Cusack like a, like a reporter, or like a novelist in that movie? Yeah, Isn't that what yeah, it is? Yeah. I feel like I just yeah. remember him like in like total, um, just like awful dialogue, being like, "Hey, I am a Pulitzer Prize novelist. You need to <laughs> listen to me because I have things to say." And I'm like, "Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> it was quite the 
I remember, if I remember correctly, it had quite the uh, quite the cast, but those types of movies usually do. I mean, it was the it was also the fifth highest grossing movie of two thousand nine, and I mean, when your competition is Avatar, was it really pretty, pretty solid? Yeah. <laughs> what is wrong with us? What is happening? It was <laughs> it was only beaten by Avatar, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs, and Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. Wow, what a time! I think uh, I think th- like I remember that movie having a lot of intrigue. Just I, I remember people wanting to see it. Like just out of hype for uh, the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that was so like weird. in the Mayan calendar craze too. When yeah, it was really starting to pick up. So that I mean, I, I guess two, the, is, oh my God. the movie's two hours I and forty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess twenty twelve at one point was socially relevant. I don't really <laughs> think it is now. <laughs> I think it's the last uh, Roland Emmerich film that will be, or that was, I think, will be uh, very commercially, commercially successful, because since then he's had a really rough go of it. Oh yeah, remember Independence Day Resurgence? Oh that was god, a great time. I mean, he got <laughs> Midway, which also just absolutely bombed. Uh, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, so he really, um, I think, twenty twelve was was his last. Uh, kind of of his last uh, big box office hit is this the longest that anyone's ever spent talking about uh 2012 since 2009 <laughs> i feel like it is i think so like has <laughs> this been on netflix the whole time or did it just like like was it something where people were like oh this is on netflix we should watch it or was netflix like oh people are going to be people are going to be hankering for nice helping a 2012 here pretty soon <laughs> to bring it back I see Roland Emmerich as I think his vision of uh, of films and, and blockbusters is stuck in the late '90s with his Independence Day. So I just I don't see him I don't I don't see him really having much more success at all. My favorite part of I totally forgot that I saw Midway and that was like what four months ago that came out in like yep. November. <laughs> My favorite part of that movie was um, at the end when they're about to drop the final bomb. On, on the Japanese and um, what's his face the 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 villain from Deadpool what's his name oh Ed Screen he goes <laughs> in his in his cartoonish Brooklyn accent he's like this is for the pearl <laughs> drops the bomb <laughs> everything explodes I feel like that's I feel like that's Roland Emmerich in a nutshell <laughs> it's it's incredible <laughs> pretty much that's the best dialogue I've ever heard <laughs> I'm it's crying amazing. right now just thinking about it <laughs> it was beautiful beautiful stuff. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting just to, like, see what's peaking every week. And, it's, like, even with TV shows, because you have, like, I feel like movies are going to fluctuate a lot more. Um, but I think number two and three on our list right now, like, I think 2012 and Outbreak will be top of the list for a while. I think I think everything else could shuffle a lot more. Like, I know Lost Girls is pretty new. Spencer Confidential is pretty new. Um, but I think everything else could kind of rotate in and out as we get deeper and deeper into quarantine. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be some, I feel like it hasn't quite happened yet, but I feel like there's a big opportunity for Netflix to have that, that kind of, that's the kind of like a bird box craze of a film. I don't know what that is. I mean, I don't really know what their schedule is coming out, but um, I feel like that's kind of on tap for them if they nail it right maybe like the, maybe they since they just bought the lovebirds lovebirds from paramount maybe they kind of figure out how to throw that into their um 
to the release schedule smartly. I don't know, but I feel like it's coming in some way. I would agree. I think that we we're definitely, I mean, everyone's everyone's kind of uh, itching for for just something to do and just something to something to see and just some sort of entertainment uh, at this point. And I do think. Um, while everyone's kind of stuck inside for the time being, I, I think that there is a great opportunity for them to drop something that really catches fire. I think that we will we will see something to the likes of that. Probably not the same scale of Bird Box. I just don't know if there's ever going to be a craze like that again. Um, but definitely something in that vein. Yeah, I, I think it'll it's it's definitely going to be interesting to watch all the trends. And like, I think this is weirdly coming at a like to the benefit of Netflix who is like facing a lot of competition as we get further into the year. And, you know, you have HBO max coming out in like a month and a half. You have the Peacock coming out later in the year. And I think a few of those other smaller services, but right now is just a big boom time for Netflix. And I mean, yeah, Disney plus is out there and Hulu, but they still have like the dominant spot in the market. And I think this will weirdly end up benefiting them more than anybody. Yeah, and we're going to get to a point soon where, like, even, like, I was watching ESPN today when, like, they have literally nothing to talk about now. And, like, like they're, like, going to spend, like, I think for, like, Peyton Manning's birthday, they're going to spend, like, seven hours talking about him, which is just, like, kill me now. <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> so, like, we're going get to get, get to a point here in, like, one, like, maybe, like, a week or two where, like, literally nothing's happening, like, in the world. Like, it's all focused on the coronavirus. Um, so it's just going to be... For one, that's just really scary to think about, and I hope everyone stays safe through all of this. And but, but it's just like there's gonna be something really strange that pops up, like film-wise, where it's where like either like something like a really cool meme happens or something, and it goes nuts. Like there's gonna be something really strange that just pops out of nowhere. And maybe it's maybe it's 2012. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be neat to see what what happens. But yeah, all the you're right, all the sports channels are just kind of playing classic game reruns uh i know that here in canada most of our local sports uh, channels are uh, obviously with the raptors winning their first title last year they're just replaying the entire playoffs <laughs> um uh, <laughs> and then kind of besides that i, I know that with the re- recent drops of a lot of the movies that are in the theaters now on on demand and VOD, like The Invisible Man, The Hunt, other films like that. I know that uh, my family, we just watched Invisible Man the other night. Um, so I'm sure that's going to kind of open another avenue as well. And we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. So that is kind of what's going on with Netflix. Um, and then the Razzies were also this past week. Um, and yeah, let's, let's celebrate some bad movies. So... <laughs> I mean, Cats was kind of the movie that everybody had their eye on with uh, the Razzies this year. But I think it's really easy to underestimate just how many bad blockbusters, especially. But just we had a lot of bad movies last year. When you think of the Razzies, you have to like you could you could always see a movie and and kind of picture that as as something that should be at the Razzies. But to be at the Razzies, you need to at least be a little bit popular you need to be a film that was somewhat seen and then hated on not just seen by a few um so cats was is definitely the perfect pick for this year's razzies kind of just to, to sweep the uh sweep the awards because it, it was so popular it, would, it took over the film world for a little bit um and uh, that was just a perfect uh perfect match for uh the 2020 razzies 
It really was. Like it's like everyone knew that was coming. It's just it's just so easy. It's just because it's fucking cats and it's it's already become like the ironic like classic. Like there's before like the coronavirus kind of halted everything. There was already like midnight screenings of it showing and the movie came out like what two months ago. Like it's it's already like at a fever pitch of like people like are like so fascinated with this thing. Um I guess I love my there's one of my favorite bits of this. I don't normally love the Razzies because I do feel like like you said, I think they just dunk on like really easy targets. And it's like it's like it's kind of easy and whatnot. But my my favorite award they gave out was for worst screen combo. (laughs) And the the winner was uh, any two half feline slash half human hairballs in cats. (laughs) That just that's really, really funny. And they have another one in there. One of the nominees was Jason Derulo and and his uh, CGI neutered bowl. (laughs) which is really (laughs) funny um i really appreciate when they get really weird with it just like stuff like that i think is just really really funny Um, one thing i wanted to point out was yeah continue yeah Uh, speaking of cats have you guys heard about the butthole cut which apparently (laughs) exists i don't want to talk about this (laughs) no (laughs) but uh as of i think it was like last november even there were vfx editors that were tasked with removing the cgi buttholes that other VFX artists had put on earlier in the film's development. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. I feel like that would have been my favorite movie of all time if those were left in. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? Like, it's already, like, one of the weirdest movies of, like, the last decade. Like, can you imagine if that was still in there? Like, that's just, like, horrifying. Like, I just, like, gouge my eyes out now. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> I just well, want to know... Who are uh, these people that were creating these? Like somewhere, somebody has a model of this on their computer. (laughs) I feel so bad for because there's like kind of one of the unwritten, like unspoken things in Hollywood is kind of how terribly like visual effects artists are treated. So like there was just like someone like in like a dark, cold room, just like animating CGI cat butts for months. Just like think about that. Like every every time you complain about your job, just think about that. Someone was just making cat making was making Rebel Wilson's butthole in cats. Oh. <laughs> um, one of my favorite of the uh, of the Razzies was John Travolta picking up that worst actor for the fanatic, uh, and uh, trading paint. I, I haven't heard of that film, but uh, the fanatic is the one that he definitely uh, uh, got that award for. I mean, that was just. That was great. That was wonderful. I feel like that movie's already kind of become like a cult thing too. Because it's just it's just so weird and hilarious. And there's like that one scene where John Travolta gets into Devon Sawa's house and he's just like prancing around with like moose antlers on. It's like what the <laughs> it's like what the hell is happening in this movie? It's such a weird little oddity. I loved uh I don't know if you guys saw it, but like I mean whatever all the power to him i guess but there's the article that came out that he was uh fiercely defending uh the script and the film (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i saw a little bit about that (laughs) Uh, oh no poor judge revolta well i guess i don't know but (laughs) you wouldn't expect anything less i mean he's known for being kind of a bad picker right so i don't know it's just kind of a sad sad uh Sad little story there, but Cats took home worst picture, which obviously we we all expected. Felt a little bit bad though for Tom Hooper to get uh, worst director because hasn't he won best director in the past before uh, at the Oscars? Yeah, for yeah for uh, King's King Speech, Speech, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, kind of 
an absolute uh, 365 or 184, I'm sorry, <laughs> rather. And that, that's kind of a sad, uh, sad slip uh, 10 years later. There's nothing he can't do. That's what he's proved <laughs> to everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's one way to look at it. <laughs> uh, what did you guys make yeah. of the uh, the Resi Redeemer Awards in there? Um, I feel like I feel like uh, Brendan and I were kind of bitter that Adam Sandler didn't win for Uncut Gems, but uh, I don't know. It's kind of cool to see Eddie Murphy get in there and win. I feel like he was kind of the, one of the more like kind of less spoken kind of big winners of the year, just because Dolomite didn't really become like the big like awards movie that I think Netflix was hoping to be. But um, yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah. I think it should have gone to either him or Sandler because you look at like Eddie Murphy's last decade has just been depressing. Uh, Cause he, so he's had like, he had Mr. Church, which was like his big, Oscar-y push a few years ago that didn't really pan out um, but before that he had like a thousand words and tower heist imagine that and meet dave uh just like a lot of movies that were just completely awful <laughs> plus like the last two shrek movies like he's just had a rough go of it and so i think i think he earned it and i think you could easily put adam sandler um like in in the redeemer category and i and argue for you know him having earned it with all the horrible netflix movies he's done the past few years but like honestly eddie murphy's like losing streak is almost two decades long if you don't count the two the first two shrek movies <laughs> and uh dream girls so you got some good recognition for that film yeah that's true but, yeah but no it's it it has been a pretty bad decade for eddie murphy and he just doesn't really act anymore i mean he's he's kind of chilling so it was great to see him come back in dolomite and i, I really did like dolomite i thought it was a great movie but i would love to see adam sandler get it because they beat up on him every single year at the Razzie. So I was really thinking this would be the year that they uh that, that they see him there in the Redeemer category and they're like, you know what, let's let's make it fun. Let's give him one because every year we give him one for the other other kind of side of the uh table there with the uh, worst actor and even he won worst actress for Jack and Jill. <laughs> um <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh good, good props to Eddie Murphy. He he deserved it as well. But I, I was really hoping Adam would have taken that. Yeah, and so uh, that is the Razzies, um, which, I mean, we may not have any movies for the Razzies next year because we've only released like 10 this year. So The same movies that are the uh, Razzies will be at the it Oscars. It will be the Oscars, yeah. <laughs> when, that's what's the win- quite the twist. What's the bigger, what's the big winner this year at the Razzies? Would it be Doolittle, I guess? Doolittle, for sure. Yeah. I feel like that's the only like big time, like, like big flop movie that people are dunking on this far, like this year so far. I can't really think of anything else. I feel like Sonic could lean that direction a little bit, but even that Sonic wasn't as terrible as it could have been. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, oh, I have a good one. I haven't. I've been putting off seeing this movie for I think two months now. But the the same director who did the Haunting of Sharon Tate, which is all over the Razzies, he made a movie that came out in January called the the murder the murder of Nicole Brown Simpson. Um, so I'm sure that's just awful in so many ways. <laughs> so that maybe that throws in there as well. Other than that, yeah, I think it just Doolittle wins everything. Best, best, like, I think, uh, best strike part or something. <laughs> Call, Call of the Wild could have a Razzie's presence as well. Oh, that'd be a good one. It'll it'll be those two fighting for every award. So it'll be Disney versus Disney. <laughs> as it should be. <laughs> this is everything else in this world. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. So with that, we'll move on to some film recommendations. So these are movies that you know either we've we've seen here recently with our extra quarantine time, or that are just since there's not new stuff coming out, you might as well check these out. They'll be worth your watch. So uh, let's just kind of go a little bit round robin. So Nick, you want to give us one of your recommendations? Yeah. Uh, so there's gonna be a trend for all of my movies, weirdly. So they're all. For I don't I don't even think I planned this at first, but all of my movies feature Christopher Abbott, uh, who's a really really good actor that I've kind of become kind of obsessed with recently. I weirdly he's like I think he's one of the best actors working right now. Um, he worked he was on Girls for like the first two seasons, then he kind of just he abruptly left because it seemed like he had creative differences with Lena Dunham. So ever since he's just been just doing a lot of really interesting kind of off the beaten path. Uh, Indie movies, or a lot of the movies he he's in, he plays like psychopaths, and they're really fascinating and interesting. Uh, I think it was probably fresh in my mind because uh, I saw Possessor at Sundance this year, which is holy shit, and I hope I can't wait for that movie to come out. It's one of the most insane things ever, uh, and he's the main character in that. But um, uh, the first movie I uh, want to point out here is uh, A Most Violent Year, which I had never seen before. But it was kind of a big A twenty four release. Uh, Chris Rabbit plays kind of a bit part in this movie as a, as a he kind of he's a just a kind of narrow duo who's kind of doing crimes around the city. But uh, this movie really focuses on Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. Uh, I feel like it's kind of like one of like the forgotten like great performances by both of them. They're both just really good in this movie. I think this movie came out in 2014. But um, I think it's I don't love this movie. I think it's really really good. I think a few tweaks. It's a little frustrating because you see where a few tweaks would have made this movie like kind of incredible. Um, but it's really interesting to look at it is it's kind of like the origin story of like a, like a Godfather-esque mob boss where it's um, basically Oscar Isaac is he's he's he he's big in the oil in the oil business in New York and he's working on kind of building his oil empire and he wants to be um, he wants to do everything by the books. He's he wants to be a very honorable man and he, he has all these like discussions about how he wants to stay very honorable and throughout all of this. But uh, he's doing this all throughout what is a massive uh, crime wave in the New York area, which is where Christopher Abbott comes into the picture. Um, but basically it's him reckoning with kind of trying to say to his morals when everything, when all that seems to be crumbling around in society. Um, it's a really good movie. Uh, it's on Netflix right now. So I, I really hope everyone checks that out because I think it's it's really interesting, even if it's not like the greatest thing you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, so for me, I've been using this time to kind of dive into directors that I'm not as familiar with as I'd like to be. So I started with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. So two thirds of my recommendations are going to be PTA, um, but I'm going to go start off with Boogie Nights. So this is one that I've been wanting to watch for a while because this is kind of what brought PTA to the forefront. Um, this was he did a short of it in the 80s, I believe, and then eventually was able to turn that into a movie. Um, and it's just wild. Like, this movie, I really appreciate just how big it is. And no no pun intended. Um, but I really appreciate just, like, how PTA just drops you into the world that's going on. So you just enter with Mark Wahlberg at this nightclub, and you meet Julianne Moore and Burt Reynolds, and uh, Heather Graham is in there on roller skates, and you just are thrown into all these characters and the movie really gets the most out of all these side characters. So it, it doesn't really need to be about anybody, but Mark Wahlberg, but everybody gets somewhat of a meaningful arc and they all just really balance each other out. And every character plays well 
against all the other characters and i just i didn't have any problems with this movie like it was just incredibly well put together yeah i've been really meaning to uh check that out soon and really get into his filmography i, I watched phantom thread the other day that's a that's a really good one too um so i'm looking forward to the kind of getting into his as well but uh my first one is uh, called perfect blue it's actually a japanese film animated film from the late 90s 1997 um directed by uh, satoshi khan and it's a it's a film about a singer who it, it's a incredibly trippy film so like the reason i'd recommend it is just if you really want to watch a uh, it's, it's pretty short it's only about an hour and 20 minutes um it's about a uh, singer she quits her band and she goes into acting and she's trying to like get rid of her kind of good girl persona um that she had while she was a singer and you kind of have this there's like this weird um double take that you have to do throughout the film because you there's someone that that seems to be stalking her but you don't know if it's in her head or if it's it's in real life it's it's a completely trippy animated film and about halfway through it just goes off the rails in in the best way possible um and and just goes through these these, these weird different turning of events it's a it's a really good film though i would recommend it perfect blue is what it's called i, I rented it on youtube uh, for like three bucks so i mean it's it's definitely worth it um but no that that's one that i would heavily recommend i i just saw some people kind of tweeting about it so i checked it out and it, it was definitely worth it all right and then nick if you want to take it away with your second recommendation yeah, so then I so later this week I went deeper into Christopher Abbott and I was like, you know what? Well, I'd watched First Man earlier and he was in that, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, let's just go all in. Like, why not? I have time. <laughs> let's just get super weird with it all and just watch like go on a bunch of uh, watch a bunch of movies with him in it. So my next movie is called Sweet Virginia, which is it's streaming on Netflix right now. I know at least in the in the states, but it came out in 2017, I think. Uh, but it stars uh, Christopher Abbott as basically he's just one of his psychopath characters and the first scene in this movie is just unbelievably harrowing harrowing where he just comes into a bar after it's closed at night and people there's a couple like the owners are playing cards in one of the you know one of the tables he just comes in um they tell him to leave and he comes back with a gun and shoots them all dead and then the title comes on screen so it's like oh well this is just incredibly unsettling (laughs) and then so um and then the other big star of the movie is John Bernthal. He's in the, he's in there. He owns the Sweet Virginia Motel. Um, and a lot of this movie is sort of about how either trauma or just people in general, they kind of interconnect in these small towns and things seem to linger around for a while. Um, so he used to be a bullfighter, now retired. He had a head injury, so he's just working in the motel. And he's just dealing with a lot of stuff. And then Chris Roberts is kind of going around town just doing incredibly psychopathic things and he's just so interesting to watch because he's you can just he, he just seems like he's just gonna like punch a hole in the wall like at any second it's so good um but yeah it's a lot of it it's the movie's sort of meandering but it's just this really just good little thriller about just kind of trauma and just kind of running into like things over and over again and kind of reckoning with your past uh, it's it's really terrific and yeah so i said it's on netflix so give it a shot i think if there's something i think worthwhile for for everyone in this in this movie all right and then my second rank recommendation is also pta so kind of like you're doing i'm just following one person and sticking with them um so i saw there will be blood which is also on netflix uh which i've been sort of familiar with like i knew that paul dano's role was like one of the big highlights of that movie and i can concur with that um just the way that eli sunday 
and Daniel just play off of each other and just like how they steal power from each other and then just make a fool out of one another throughout the entire duration of this movie is just beautiful to watch. Um, like it's, it's probably one of my favorite protagonist antagonist relationships. Um, I like guess just phenomenally done. <laughs> yeah. That's what actually one of my favorite movies ever. I fucking love that movie. It's so, so good. Um, I think Honestly, that might be one of the best lead performances I've ever seen from uh, uh, Dale D. Lewis. Just, just absolutely, just chewing scenery like, like mad. Just with that crazy. Just, oh, I'm Daniel Plainview. Um, <laughs> I just fucking, I fucking love that movie so much. It's so good. That's on your uh, letterbox to favorites, isn't it? Yes, it is. I think it's. I switch, I switch back and forth between either The Master or There Will Be Blood as my favorite PTA and consequently one of my favorite movies ever um <laughs> i really love and it's weirdly really because i weird because i haven't seen boogie nights and i'm probably gonna probably knock that out like this week when i because we have so much time but yeah there will be blood is, is so good i've seen it so many times even just like clips of it i just want i just want to get to because there's so many powerful scenes in there that i could just watch over and over again fantastic i'm gonna go off on a tangent here and uh kind of turn the tables a little bit <laughs> um i'm not really following any uh, sort of pattern like you guys are but i'm gonna recommend real quick a canadian film called bon cop bad cop translation good cop bad cop <laughs> um <laughs> for a little bit of context up up here in canada there's there's a real um a real sort of tension between the french people in quebec and the english and the rest of the country and that tension comes comes uh, kind of full throttle here in this English cop and a French cop who have to team up because there's a serial killer that's committing murders across provincial lines so they have to kind of team up and it's just a it's a great kind of buddy cop comedy and a great look into um, just kind of Canada in general and it's just it's so funny but um, and, and there's the it even ties into the NHL at times. I mean, that's just so Canadian in and of itself. <laughs> um, but it's funny because I, I go look back at the box office numbers in Canada. This this came out in 2006, and I compare this movie to how blockbusters did. Usually in, in Canada, we really only watch American films besides Quebec. So about 99% of box office re- revenue outside of Quebec is uh, from American films, whereas in Quebec, about only 90% is from uh, – American films. So they have this a little bit more of a market there. And I look at the 06 box office numbers in Canada and this film actually like it, it equaled pretty much what Infinity War would have gotten or gotten 2018. Like that's how big this was in Canadian <laughs> uh, cinema here. And it made like $12 million globally and about 11.8 million of that was in Canada. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just, it's so funny, but it's, it's on the Canadian Netflix, so I mean, if if you're Canadian, you can check it out. And there's a sequel too, not as good, but uh, <laughs> Bon Cop, Bad Cop. It's just a great look into just some funny Canadianness. It's perfect. All right, and then Nick, if you want to take it away with your final recommendations. Yeah. So after I watched Sweet Virginia, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, we're just go all in on Christopher Abbott movies. <laughs> uh, so I looked on his IMDb just to kind of see what. Like you, you go to that like that top part where it's like, oh, he's known for like these movies. Um, some of the time it's like kind of weird because like I know like Brad Pitt's like it's like known for like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which is like like no, like that's just not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but hit for him, the like the number one movie is uh, called is a movie called James White. 
Um, so I was like, ah, fuck it. And I, so I looked up, it's free on Vudu. So anyone can just check it out within the Vudu account. Um, but it's, it is really, really good. It is. So this big movie, he, he stars as the lead, as the title character, James White. And he's basically, he's just like this 20 something living in New York. Who's just like not doing anything with his life. Like he still lives with his, with his mom. And he's just like out at like clubs. Like he doesn't really have like any sort of direction in life but um i kind of all this kind of comes to a head when he has to take care of his mother who has stage four cancer um so i guess just just kind of for like that description you can kind of figure out where this movie's going um but it's it plays out so much better than that where uh, he has so much more depth as a character like he's not just like this asshole who's just not like just doesn't understand like like how much like people need him or how he needs to like treat others like he has a lot of like a lot of different things going on with him um he's just he's kind of a dick but he also clearly wants to do like good and so it's really interesting watching him wrestle back and forth and it's kind of an incredible performance because the ca- the camera just kind of zooms in on him like there's kind of just like close-ups of his face for most of the movie and you just kind of just like see his little ticks and kind of see like his like him like go through his thought process and it's really fascinating to watch but um, yeah, this movie's like I think it's like 87 minutes, really quick uh, on Vudu. It, it's really, really tremendous. It's an, an unbelievable performance. You 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 know right from the start like kind of where this movie's gonna go. But um, watching him just play in this movie is just incredible. Before I go into my final recommendation, um, do you guys remember movie theaters? <laughs> <laughs> Remember places uh, in general? <laughs> no. So before uh, all the, the movie theaters shut down, I think like Tuesday was when most of the big ones went down. Uh, last Sunday, Turner Classic Movies did a screening of King Kong, the original 1933 version. And I went and saw that on the big screen. That was my first time seeing it ever. Um, and that was just a fun way to spend an afternoon. Um, you know, the the effects obviously don't look as good here 80 years later but they still hold up really well and it's just really interesting to see what they were able to do at the time uh you're seeing a lot of matte paintings and screens and stop motion animation but just how well they sell king kong being this giant gorilla that's actually killing people you know some of it's a little laughable now that the curtain's been pulled back and we know how they accomplished a lot of this but i think overall the movie really deserves its place uh, really deserves its status and it's just a really entertaining, really well done movie. Yeah, that's the that's a great great film. I, I that, that's one that I definitely have to revisit soon. I, I have it on DVD. Always a good one. Um, the one I chose for my last recommendation is mid nineties. It's a film, obviously, uh, came out a couple years ago, uh, directed by Jonah Hill. It, it was his directorial uh, debut. Um, this is just a really good sort of look at because I feel like we see a lot of uh, period pieces going back to the 80s, 70s, 60s, and even a lot of movies just kind of contemporary taking place now. Um, but w- I feel like we don't see a lot of 90s uh, uh, movies, and I, I find this movie uh, to be one that is great to revisit. Um, it- it's short. It's it's only, I, I don't even think it's 90 minutes, um, but it's-, it's just a really good, sweet, little intimate tale about obviously a kid kind of coming-of-age story in, in the mid-90s, and I, I just dig this movie so much. Um, and and it's, it's so simple, but, but yet so good, and, and, and everything comes comes around in the end. It's it's a really good one. Um, Sonny Selchuk, who stars in this film also, he was in Killing of a Sacred Deer, 
uh, he was good there, and it was great to see him get his first uh, lead role in this movie. And I, he's only like 14 or 15 years old, so I hope he uh, continues to um, be in movies because he's a he's a good young actor. Yeah, mid 90s is one that I didn't catch what it was out, but I do want to get to it at some point. Yeah, it's yeah. just neat. To see, it's just neat to see Jonah Hill kind of branch out and start directing now and i think it's it's a it's a it's a great debut for him um it kind of just tells you all you need to know about about the vision that he's trying to uh encapsulate on screen yeah i love mid-90s and i feel like it's i feel like it didn't really get like it's like moment when it was in theaters i feel like for some reason i feel like there was like a little bit of a backlash to that movie because i think it it's okay and like kind of getting like a little dirty with like it's like main like with its lead character and Sonny Solchik, which I think a lot of people were like, ooh, I don't know if like we should like go to this place with like kids in film, but I thought it was like a really like remarkable and like refreshingly honest look at kind of like growing up too fast. And I thought um, I really appreciated kind of how like intentionally messy it was, you know? Um, but yeah, I hope that one, I hope people would like check that out and that gets like a second life because I think it's really terrific. And I think Jonah Hill showed like a lot as a director in that movie. All right. Well, those were our recommendations. And assuming that everything is still shut down for the next week, we'll have plenty more to go. Uh, I know I'm looking at finishing up my, my PTA binge and probably dive into some, some more older stuff this week. Uh, but other than that, we'll be back next week uh, talking about more recommendations and Netflix Top 10 and whatever other movie stuff we can we can figure out now that the box office is frozen. Uh, so remember, you can check us out online at moviebabblereviews.com. Mm-hmm.